There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Lead with Empower podcast is back and we are joined today by a gentleman who's becoming a, a good friend. We've had a lot of Zooms over the past uh, past year, I would say, um, but we are joined today by the principal of Plainville High School, Mr. Carl Johnson. Carl's been in the principal seat for uh, about two and a half years. Prior to that, he was the vice principal for two and a half years. Really excited to have Carl on. Great personality. We're going to get some insight into how the school year is going over there. And also, we're going to hear Carl's story about his childhood in West Hartford all the way through his principalship or principalhood in, in Plainville. Carl, thanks for joining the Lead with Empower podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Dan. No, you're Appreciate very welcome. My pleasure to have you on, and especially it's April vacation, so you're, you're carving out some of the, the fun family time uh, to join us today. Thank you so much. No problem at all. <laughs> um, so, hey, let's get right into it. They, there's not a manual for principaling during a pandemic. I don't think at least there might be after this whole thing. Um, That's a true statement. (laughs) (laughs) Talk a little bit about, I think going back to March of last year, the, the chaos, the uncertainty, just talk a little bit about from the moment, like things were shut down, everybody was sent home, some of the challenges faced and, and, and then bring us up to speed with uh, how, how things at Plainville high school are going so far in the 21 uh, school year. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really challenging when you think about, you know, kind of something unimaginable. Um, you know, I, I don't think I ever would have thought in my career I'd experience, you know, school being shut down for three months and everyone going home and all that. So, you know, I, I think the greatest challenge was, um, having to kind of reimagine things that we had never, um, even thought about, um, you know, or thought were possibilities. So that, you know, that was huge. I mean, you know, I think there was the initial shock of just what was happening. And I think that was for everyone. And, you know, I think at first there was kind of, you know, I don't want to say, you know, excitement or anything like that, but I think like kind of the adrenaline or whatever you want to call it, of just kind of that initial shutdown and figuring out what that was. And, you know, and then once it became clear, this was going to be a long-term thing, you know, we, we tried to pivot very quickly and you know we were very proud of the fact that we we shut down on uh friday march 13th um sent students home and then uh by monday um march 16th we already had assignments going out to students and then by um march uh 17th that tuesday we already had kind of a game plan of what we were going to do um we modified that you know after about a week we realized some of the things we thought were going to make sense just didn't make sense and you know, we, we made changes and, you know, did that. And then, you know, what, one of the things I'm really proud of is our, our school counseling department and our, um, you know, school support service providers by that Wednesday, the 18th, um, we already had resources going out to kids, um, about how to access resources if they needed them, um, especially, you know, social, emotional, mental health. Yeah. Um, 
resources and how to get in touch with their counselors, how to get in touch with the social worker, how to get in touch with, you know, different people that could try to help them um, if they needed help. Um, you know, and then it, it really just became, you know, figuring things out as they came and, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know, it's a cliche, but living day to day, you know, kind of just taking problems as they came and, you know, figuring out solutions, which isn't, you know, it's not that different from what you normally do. It's just, you know, you're, you're dealing with things in a different way. You know, um, the summer was, you know, I, I hope I don't have a summer like that again. Um, cause it was, it was just a really challenging summer, just trying to, you know, cause things were changing very fast. Um, you know, we, we ended the year on a really high note. We had an awesome graduation ceremony here. We had an outdoor drive-in graduation. Um, you know, it was just a real highlight. And I think compared to what people thought was going to be possible, we, we exceeded expectations. And, you know, I think we gave kids a really special night. Um, and then we immediately started working on what the following year was going to look like. I mean, you know, usually most summers there's a little bit of a, a break or you feel like there's kind of a, you know, a bookend between the years, but, um, you know, this time it was kind of immediately jumping into planning a reopening. Um, you know, when things changed, guidance changed over the summer, you know, we, we had spent about a month planning, um, to reopen in full. And then guidance kind of changed by the state to, you know, kind of more pushing like a hybrid opening or, you know, a remote opening. So then we transitioned our planning to that. Um, you know, the one, you know, so we, we talk about a lot here and I, I wish I could remember who said it cause it was, it was such a powerful thing, but um, trying to look for positive disruptions. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're in the middle of something really tragic and something really horrible, but at the same time, like trying to find, you know, the positive disruptions that have happened because of this. And so that's been something we've talked about a lot. And, you know, one of the big ones is it, it's caused us whenever we plan something, we now plan, you know, five different versions of it, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're ready to go. So like if something changes at the last moment or we have to adapt in a different way, we, we know what we want to do. So, it, you know, it was, it was tough over the summer and we, we came up with what we thought was a good plan. And we opened in a, a hybrid format where we had half the kids coming in uh, two days a week. And then Wednesday was kind of a um, at home day for everyone. Cleansing and then two day days, the other, the <laughs> yeah. And then yep. all the teachers were here and the other two days, the kids were um, other kids would come in. We only did that for a month and, you know, something we take a lot of pride in. And I think everyone here takes a lot of pride in is that um, at the high school, we've been fully reopened since October 5th. Uh, for any student who wanted to be in person. Um, so, you know, we brought all the kids back. Now we're, I don't want to make it sound like that was, you know, because of me or anything like that. We're very fortunate because we have a great town um, who's made a lot of great decisions in the past. We have a phenomenal high school building um, that allows us to do things that, you know, we're probably challenging in other school districts yeah. um, and for other high schools. You know, we have, we only have about 700 students. Um, so it's, you know, it's easier for us. I, I really feel for the high school principals that are, you know, with high schools that are like over a thousand kids, yeah. you know, 2000 kids. It's, that's a whole different animal. Um, you know, but, so we've been very lucky and, you know, we feel like we came up with a good plan and we've been, you know, kind of living with that ever since October 5th and, you know, kind of working our way through the year. And now, you know, it's building towards a lot of excitement for the end of the year for the seniors and, you know, different events we're planning and, 
you know, and then I think coupled with the vaccine rollout and, you know, getting all our teachers vaccinated, it just, you know, it just feels like there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and I think that's giving people a lot of hope and it's, you know, kind of raising people's spirits, you know, yep. so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that light, you know, is not necessarily like a pen light anymore. It's actually something that's that's it's tangible and that you can kind of yeah. almost feel that we're getting closer to whatever normal is going to be, but it's closer to normal than it was a year ago. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. So, and it sounds like, it, you know, it's been a, a really a total team effort, right? In this challenge, it hasn't been, you know, the guidance of maybe just a superintendent, but it's really been everybody that's involved in a successful day of school had to play a role in making this thing work for you at, at PHS. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you have to rely on the experts and you have to rely on people that know a lot more than you do. Yeah. Um, you know, and also talking to every, you know, one of the things we've, every time we meet about something or we, we talk about things and, you know, especially my building leadership team and, um, you know, teachers and everyone we we've said from day one is whenever we put something out there as a plan, you know, please take a look at it and try to, you know, play it out in your head. And, you know, what are we missing? Yeah. You know, what are we, what are we not thinking about? Because this is all new and it's all, you know, it's stuff we've never done before. So it's, you know, my, my fear always is the unintended consequence or the thing that we're not, um, you know, it's just, it's not within our field of view at this point. Yeah. But all of a sudden, two months later, it's going to, you know, it's going to be like a brick. (laughs) Yeah. All of a sudden you're going to realize like, oh, we should have thought of that or that, you know, that that's a massive unintended consequence that we just weren't thinking about. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we, we try to be very open. We try to be very transparent. Um, you know, I think that's a hallmark of who we are here and working as a team. And, you know, listen, I, it's not, you know, it's not me. It's, it's, it's the people, you know, around us who have done a great job. And, you know, we have, we have some phenomenal teachers. We have people who have just worked their butts off this year. Um, and also our students, I mean, our, our students have just been phenomenal. You know, I mean, it's, and I, I try to remind them as much as I can that the reason why we've been successful staying open is because of them. I mean, they, you know, I just, I read a message to them over the PA when we started the fourth quarter, just about, you know, the idea of collective sacrifice for the good of everyone else. And that all year we've, you know, put up with disruptions and things that maybe we don't want to do, but you know, it's, it's for the health and safety of everyone else. And that's how we're going to finish the year, you know? So which is, you know, it's, that's what it's about. I mean, that's, you know, no one can run a school right now by themselves. It's just yeah. not possible, you know. And it is, it's making, making sometimes tough decisions for the benefit of the whole, not just the benefit of the me or the I. And that's a great message for young, you know, obviously for anybody, but really for, you know, students, they're soup, they're impressionable. They're still learning those soft skills and to, to have them, I think down the road, this is going to be such a valuable thing that they can look back on when they are hitting a rut as a professional. Say, hey, I got through this moment (laughs) and we got through it because of X, Y, and Z. I can get through this new moment. I have to change things a little bit, but there's a solution somewhere. Yeah. I was a, you know, I was a history teacher before becoming an assistant principal and principal. And, um, you know, I I always, you know, think through that kind of mindset. But uh, I read an interesting article. I, I wish I could remember when, but sometime during this whole thing, when um, it's it's crazy how stuff like blurs together during this, like yep. you know, like months just kind of blur together. But anyways, um, 
I read in this article just saying how like, you know, every generation is defined by a moment. Um, and, you know, I, I have a lot of hope um, for this generation because, you know, I was talking to a group of people the other day and I just said, you know, I've seen a lot of kindness and I've seen a lot of, you know, respect and, you know, doing things for others during this. And I think that's going to define this generation. I think they've yeah. learned incredibly valuable lessons about, you know, and then also too, just like what, what you can lose, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to hear high school students talk about how much they just love being able to be at school, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, which I, you know, I'm not saying kids don't feel that way, but to hear them verbalize that, you know, just, just the actual being in the building, you know, and just, you know, realizing that's something they could lose for a period of time that I don't, you know, I think a lot of kids, I think when the shutdown happened, there was kind of like a, okay, we got like a two week vacation. Of course. You know, absolutely. And was, yeah. And then it was like, Oh, okay. Well, this is like, now it's going to be a month. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, it's going to be three months. And that's, <laughs> that's when it started to change, I think. And that's when I think, you know, it's, we've talked a lot too about, um, especially for the experience for kids of, you know, the idea of like a collective uh, trauma, you know, and so everyone's going to experience that in different ways. Like anytime people experience trauma, you know, people are going to experience it and, you know, reverberate from that moment in different ways. And so we've, we've really tried to think about that with our kids too, is how they're experiencing this and, you know, what the long-term impacts are going to be, you yeah. know. Um, there's, it's, it's a cliche out there. Leading is easy when things are going well, or I think it's in sport leading, leading is easy when you're winning. Right. And, and, yeah. You see people's true colors when things aren't going so well for you personally, um, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, a, the principal in the building, the, the buck's going to stop with that person. What's one leadership lesson from this whole experience for you as the principal of Plainville High School that is going to you're going to hold near and dear to you moving forward? You know, I think so. I, well, I know you said one, but I guess I, so communication. um you know, finding a way to communicate effectively with people. Um, so like, you know, we, last year when we shut down, um, you know, we, we really switched over to doing video yep. messages to kids and to families um, just because we didn't have that in-person contact. Um, you know, trying to be really transparent with your communication, explaining your thinking, like why, you know, why we're doing this, why this is happening. Um and I think, you know, I'll loop it into the communication, but also, you know, being compassionate and being empathetic, um, you know, it's, it's important to try to keep that frame in mind, um, especially in your communications to people and, you know, always being willing to listen and, you know, take phone calls, take emails, stuff like that, knowing people can contact you if they have questions and concerns or anything like that, just because, you know, it's, this is a really, um, for a lot of people, there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of, you know, uneasiness. And yeah. so if you don't have good communication with people, it's just going to hide in that, you know, and, you know, we're proud we have, you know, we're, we've always hovered right around about 80% of our kids being in person, um, you know, and from other principals I've talked to, I think we've, we've done a really good job of having a lot of our kids be in person. And I think part of that is trust and communication. It's, yeah. you know, it's, you know, if you, if you can't communicate with people and explain what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it, then, you know, I, I think you, you hurt that trust piece, you know, I, you know, it, 
I don't want to go on a tangent here, Dan, but um, so you can cut this if it. Um, no, no, this is this is great. And again, because again, no. you know, the whole purpose of this thing is to, you know, leadership. There's all these yeah. different things that play into being effective yeah. and you're, you're a dead on accurate. Like yeah. trust doesn't happen just because you want it to happen. No. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you have to, you have to build that and you have to work at it and you can't, and you also can't damage it. You know, it's like one of those things I always, we talk about a lot especially among our leadership team is, you know, we can't betray people's trust. They put a lot of trust in us. And I was just going to say like, I, you know, and I, I don't want, I don't want to make it sound like, because I've said this to my staff before, you, you can be a phenomenal teacher and not have kids. Like I, I don't want to ever make it sound like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say you have to have children to be a good teacher or anything yeah. like that. Cause that's just not true. I think I was a, a moderately decent teacher before <laughs> I had children. Um, but uh tell you it was like my when my oldest son went to school for the first time that was like a you know I, I don't even know what the right words are to describe the moment but the sudden realization of how much trust you're putting in a group of adults that you really don't know that well yeah. you know and like it's just it's something about school that I I think I had just always taken for granted I just never really put that much thought into it I guess and it's like you know, I, I've lived in schools my entire life. Like I, you know, I, I went to high school. I went, you know, I went to elementary school, high school, did that whole thing. Then I went to college. Then in college, I immediately started working on my teaching degree. So I've really never left schools, you know, throughout my entire life. So I, I guess I had just taken that for granted, but like that moment of realization, and that's, that's always stayed with me is just the amount of trust people are putting in you to take care of their kids, yep. you know, and, and just, at, at just the most basic level to make sure they're safe and they're healthy and they're doing okay. So, you know, that always, you know, stays in the background of a lot of what I think about. So. No, that's great. And it's a, a great transition. So you, you've mentioned that you, you, you know, spent some time in the classroom in the history uh, department um, and then your transition to VP and then principal, you know, for you, for your journey, like when, when did you know education was the route that you wanted to go as a profession? So I, I'm one of those, uh, I guess, weird people that knew from a very early age what I wanted to do. Um, I, you know, I, I actually, it's, um, so my, my Gmail icon um, is a, a fort up in Maine called Fort McClary, um, which is in Kittery. Um, and I, I always keep that there because that's actually, my father took me to that fort when we used to vacation up in Maine. And that's where I always say, like, that's where I started loving history. So that was that piece was kind of like developing a real love of history at, you know, a young age. And then, um, I just had some phenomenal teachers and, you know, one, one I'll just mention is, uh, Mr. Letizia, who was at, um, Cedric Middle School in West Hartford. And he just, you know, he just showed that history could be fun. I mean, I think that was the first time I, I heard the Beatles, um, you know, it was like in Mr. Letizia's class. And then also, I think the first time I heard Metallica, um, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, just showing a different side to teaching and, you know, but really the human side, the relationship side of teaching. Um, and so just having, you know, phenomenal history teachers, you know, I, I've been incredibly lucky to have some um, just great teachers and especially history teachers, you know, throughout middle school, high school, um, and that just really brought into focus that that's what I wanted to do. So I think somewhere around seventh grade, I knew yeah. I wanted to be a teacher, um, you know, and that, that kind of became my pursuit, you know, so. 
talk um so obviously you've had teachers that have impacted you and obviously your father i think planting the seed early on uh peak the interest in history as you mentioned um what other activities things you know type of things that you were involved in maybe in middle school high school college um and and maybe identify an experience or two that you know looking back on it now like oh man this, this thing that happened to me as a 10th grader really shaped who I am today. Try to pinpoint maybe one or two experiences that really shaped who you are today, Carl. Yeah. So I, and I, <laughs> I'll tell you this without, I, I don't want to make it sad. And that's always <laughs> why I warn people. Um, so I, when I was in seventh grade, I lost my mother. Um, and she passed away from breast cancer when I was in seventh grade. And she had been uh, sick for two years um, leading up to her passing. So um, that, you know, obviously for anyone, that's a, that's a defining moment as a yeah. child. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough, um, when I was teaching in Farmington, I was lucky enough to be selected as graduation speaker. And, um, I actually, I talked about this in my graduation speech was, um, my principal at the time, a woman named Mrs. Kaiser, um, who was like, the prototypical middle school principal. Like she was one of the scariest people I've ever like <laughs> encountered in my life. Like she, she just had that awesome persona, you know, that just like, you know, she was just scary. She was a super nice person though. So I don't want to make it sound like that, but she just, you know, she was able to give off that kind of like authoritarian, she you know, owned like, the room, vibe. right. She owned yeah, the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was, she was like, I think she was over six feet tall. She was, you know, just very strong presence. Um, I'll never forget when I came back, uh, from being out after my mom passed away, she called me down to her office. And I think that was the only time I'd ever been called down to the principal's office. Um, and I sat in her principal's office and she basically told me, you know, you, at this moment, you have a choice to make. And basically the choice you're going to make here is either people will look back and say, this is the moment when, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically like yeah. Carl went off the rails and people will look back and say, this is the moment where, his life changed for the worse. Um, or, you know, you can make the decision that this is the moment where people look back and say, this is where he became the person he is. And he became a better person because of this. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately she passed away before I ever got a chance to say thank you to her. I mean, I wish, you know, and it's always stuck with me because I, and I, I kind of tried to say this into my speech is that you never know the impact you're going to have on people. Um, I think that's one of the weirdest parts about this whole human existence thing is that yeah. like you can make a comment to someone in passing or something like that. And I don't even know if she thought that was a, a big moment in their career or like, you know, I, I have no idea. And like, but to me, that was like, you know, I, I still hear those words and I still hear that, you know, I, I can visualize me sitting in her office to this day. You know, I mean, that's, you know, like 30 years ago. Um so that's, you know, that's always stuck with me. And that's, that's a really defining moment of, I think, who I am as a person. And I, you know, I bring that up a lot because it's, you know, it's a lot of where I understand empathy and, you know, kids dealing with things at homes that they, you know, might not understand, but also just the, you know, the power of teachers, because I was so incredibly fortunate, um, you know, to have a group of role models, um, you know, and especially teachers in my life, especially in high school. And then when I played sports, like coaches who are just, you know, in my mind, they're like legends, yeah. you know, because they, they taught me to be a person that I wanted to be. And they, you know, 
they saw things in me that I didn't see, you know, and they encouraged that to come out and, you know, pushed me to be a better person. And that's just, you know, I still keep in touch with some of them because it's just, you know, and I think that's just the power of teachers and the power of why you get into this profession is because, you know, you can truly help kids who need help, you know, and they, you know, stuff like that, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know, incredibly powerful stuff. Yeah. And there's countless opportunities to have a profound impact on somebody. And, and again, I think you touched on this a little bit in, you know, in talking about the principal that called you in to her, you know, to her, that could have been an extra task in a day, but it probably wasn't this like earth shattering. She's probably had maybe similar conversations with other students. So to her, maybe it was, you know, not insignificant, but also not this you know big thing, this big event. But to you, it had this profound impact. And I think, you know, whether it's in education or, or leadership in general, you know, it's always important to recognize like our actions to us might seem so insignificant, but to the person on the receiving end, it could be a life-changing moment. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's funny because uh, my, you know, anyway, my father ended up uh, developing brain cancer. And I remember meeting with the surgeon, um, and it's very similar to what you're talking about because it's the realization that for this brain surgeon, this is just another day at work. Like it's like another day at the office. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like every day he just does brain surgery, you know? And so like his, his attitude towards it was very different than our attitude towards it. You know? <laughs> Cause it was just like, well, you know, like another day, like, yep. you know, but it was like, but I think, I, I think that's to your point of, you, you know, and I think that's something that I'm always very cautious about is the impact you're having on people. And I, I had a great, um, mentor principal at Newington um, High School when I was doing my internship um, through UCAP at UConn and um, Jim Wanker who's now retired but he uh, I'll never forget he I used to call him wankerisms because he'd always give me these like pieces (laughs) of advice and um, he told me one time he was like you know always be careful about what you say to people because as principal you know and you might not view yourself this way or might not see it but people will remember things you say to them that to you it was just an offhand comment or it was just like in passing or like you weren't even thinking about it and he was like but they'll bring it up you know six months from now you know something you said and you're like i don't even remember saying you know i mean i have no idea what you're talking about you know i mean but to them it you know it was important you know and so that's you know that that was a great piece of advice like you're saying so awesome so thinking back to your first year of teaching was that after undergrad or did you stay on you did stay it on and did masters and then got into education yeah so i at uconn i was in what's called the ibm program so it's the integrated bachelor's masters so um you basically commit to getting your masters in a fifth year um after you get your bachelor's so you do an internship um you know I, i did my student teaching at buckley high school in hartford um I then did my internship at all three Hartford high schools. We were implementing um, with a teacher there who ended up being the, the, the person I had um, student taught with my cooperating okay. teacher. Um, he ended up being the internship um, leader and we were implementing a new history curriculum at the high schools and middle school. So that was a great experience. And then um, my first year of teaching, I got hired at Farmington um, and uh, started teaching there. So what the, and I, I vividly remember I was a, a you know education prior to to you know joining Empower back in 2009. I vividly remember like going through college, feeling great, like after graduating four years, feeling like great about 
right, I'm ready to step into the, you know, my, my classroom was the gym. I'm ready to step in and, and freaking crush it. And you realize on like day one or day two, like, oh my, there's so many things that weren't in the manual. <laughs> what, what was one big surprise for you in your first year of teaching, you know, as a professional where you were like, where was this class? <laughs> you know, well, I'll just tell you what, like, I always think about like, I wish I could, um, <laughs> like my, my first couple of years of teaching, like, I wish I could get all those kids together and just say, I'm sorry. Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. I just, you know, and I, I don't think I did a bad job, but just looking back, I just feel like I could have done a better job. And it's like, as you grow as a teacher and you figure that stuff out, but anyways, it just, you know, it cracks me up because there's some things I look back on just like, oh my, I can't believe I did the that. was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Or just, you know, just, I don't know, things you thought would be like engaging or fun for kids. And you're just like, that was ridiculous. Um, no, I, I, you know, I, I think, one of the challenging things is when you're that, you know, I started teaching at 23. I mean, yeah. um, and it's, it's when kids come to you with the, like the real problems, you know, I mean, that that's hard, you know, and if you're, you know, we, I talk about this sometimes to my teachers is that it's, it's the double-edged sword of being a really relationship driven, approachable teacher is that you then also become the person that kids can turn to, you know, when they're really struggling with something. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, listen, at 23, like, you know, God, I didn't, you know, I was still eating Pop-Tarts. Like, you know what I mean? It's so, like, yeah, you we know, don't know anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, so now, now a kid's coming to you with, you know, I mean, something tragic or just something really, you know, some of the, some of the hardest things in life. And it's like, you know, that's, that's hard to navigate, but you go, I mean, that's, that's when you realize how important it is the professionals that you have in your building, you know, and you turn to the people that can get them support, you know, and I used to always tell classes, like, you can always come to me for anything and I might not have the answer, but I'll find a person who can help you. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, and I, I think that's important is that as a new teacher starting out, you don't have to have all the answers, you know, I think, you know, one of the best lessons I learned too was, learning to say, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think there's, I think there's sometimes young teachers, like they're afraid to tell a class, like, I don't know the answer to something or like, you know, I don't know. I always think back on this. Um, there was this, uh, I, I taught sociology when I first started teaching and I had never taken a sociology class. Um, so that's one of the great things about Connecticut certification is like with history, you get certified for a bunch of subjects. Um, so anyways, I was, I was teaching sociology and there was this, you know, it's literally like that example of like staying a chapter ahead of the kids yeah. um, and teaching the class. And I remember this, like, I just did not understand some concept. I think it was like symbolic interactionism in sociology. And uh, I was just trying to skirt around it and just kind of saying like, well, you know, it's, let's just, we'll move on to the next part because it's not that important or whatever. And this girl just like started asking questions about it. And this, and I just, we kept on dodging the questions. And like this one kid who um, I'll just, you know, I won't say his name, but just this kid I'll never forget who was just hilarious. He just at one point, he's like, can't you tell he doesn't know? Just leave him alone. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and I was just like, that's just like that brutal honesty, you know, that was just awesome. But it was a great lesson from him about like, it's okay. Like, you can tell a group of kids, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, I used to, I used to always tell kids when I taught history. I was like, I don't know. Like, you're, 
you know, they would come up with some crazy question about, you know, some obscure fact of history. And I'd be like, I don't know, like use Google. Like, 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 I don't know every single thing that's ever happened. You know, it's like, you know, so I don't know, but that's a, you know, that's a good thing to learn. Carl Johnson as a leader today is dot, dot, dot. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I think, I think, um, you know, so my leadership philosophy is based on relationships, right? And I, I, I don't want to sound cliche. I don't want to sound too simplistic or anything like that. But if, if you can't build relationships with people and you can't, you know, it gets back to that idea of trust. And if you can't, you know, if, if I can't build relationships with my staff, if I can't build relationships with the students, if I can't build relationships with parents, with the community, you know, I, I don't think I can be a successful principal of a high school. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just not, it's not possible. You know, I mean, and I, you know, one of the biggest things I always, um, you know, going into that is, you know, I, I had heard a podcast um, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was actually right before I interviewed um, to be an assistant principal at Plainville. And um, I think it was like the teaching in higher ed. I could be wrong, but I think that was it. And um they had a professor on and he was just talking about, you know, being human, you know, which especially in the day and age we live in, like, you know, it can be challenging at times. And he just said like, you know, instead of calling someone or sending an email or, you know, take a walk down the hall and just talk to a person or, you know, like, and I, like sometimes my, like um, the other day, like my assistant principal was cracking up because I saw a parent I wanted to talk to in the, in the uh, parking lot that was pick, you know waiting for pickup. And I just walked over and, you know, started to talk to them. And yeah. it's like, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, it sometimes can be challenging conversations and stuff like that. But, you know, if you approach it from a human level and you approach it from a level of compassion and empathy, you know, and if you're honest with people, I, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. So, I mean, I think as a leader right now, I mean, I think that's my main focus is, you know, being very relationship driven. And, you know, I, I don't think you can get results without being able to do that. You know, I agree. Agree a hundred percent. Your biggest leadership ch- weakness or challenge, and what you do to try to combat it. Um, you know, so I think. Uh, well, I think there's a lot. <laughs> I won't make um, you list them all. You can just yeah. pick one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I. You know, I think so. Something I struggle with is. Um, and I think this is like a lot of teachers, right? I think, you know, I, I always joke, like, we always have to take a step back and think about why we chose this profession. Like, one of the things is we are probably pretty good at school. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of teachers tend to be people who, who enjoyed school, at least on some level, and we're probably good at it. Um, so that sometimes can be challenging when you have a student who really struggles with school or the environment of school or just doesn't, you know, it's, it's like meeting someone from a completely different paradigm who just yeah. like or a different worldview who you just can't even, but anyways, um, you know, I, I think one of my big challenges is being, I don't want to call it type A, but like, you know, I, I think a lot of teachers are perfectionists in many ways, or like they want to do it their way. Um, and I think one of the challenges of leadership, right, is um, listening to other people and especially handing over control Mm-hmm. and handing over ownership and putting your trust in people to do it you know and it might not be exactly the way you would have done it or exactly 
you know, how you would have wanted to see it done or, you know, exactly the way you would have put it together, but you, you trust those people to do a good job with it. And also it's developing them as leaders too and letting them own something and do something. You know, it's, you know, I, I think one of the traps you can fall into, and I think I, I do this probably too much is like just trying to do it yourself yeah. um, because you just want to own it or you want it to be done your way. Um, and so that's, that's a real hard um, skill to develop, like a just very super simple um, example. Like I remember my wife cracking up because the first time I had an office professional, I remember coming home and just being like, I don't know what to ask her to do. <laughs> like, you know, because it's like, I, I have a real hard time like saying, okay, do this or like, you know, I, I would just rather put it together myself, you know, which is, you know, it's, it's a skill you got to learn to, you know, kind of let go of some things and let other people do them. You know, you don't have to have your hand in everything. You got to put trust in people that you've, you know, you have the right people around you that are going to do a good job with things. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that is a common challenge of leaders is that ability to delegate, comfortably delegate. Um, and, and I think you touched on this and uh, you touched on how great your teachers did. And it's when you don't do that type of stuff, it's the easiest way for the people that you're leading to say, I'm not making the change. I'm not going to, I'm not going to work that hard to make it happen. But when there's a sense of ownership and, and, not to be cliched, but that, that empowerment, like, Hey, I know I'm, I'm going to have this responsibility and it's on me to make it work. When you build that up as a leader, you're more li you know, likely to get the, you know, the buy-in from those that you're leading. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're saying that you made me think of something too, which is, you know, if you go too far down that road of like doing everything yourself or, you know, always having the answer to every question is that you develop a culture where people are like frozen in decision-making where like yep. they can't, you know, they can't do anything without your approval or like, you know, they, they'll come to you with the most basic questions or the most, you know, like just things that, you know, I, I don't need to know about or, you know, things that I trust them to do, you know, and I, it's like the over-reliability. Yeah. 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 You know, they, yeah. They, like you said, they become over-reliant on, you know, you having the answer or something like that. And I, and I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's a good, you know, it's not a good environment for people. You know, it's, and it, I think like, you know, like we're saying, it's just like, you know, I, I always tell, you know, I put trust in them as professionals, whether it's teachers, the administrative team, whoever, you know, make the right decision. Like I'll, I'll back you up. Like yeah. I, you know, as long as you have a good reason why, and you know, like you thought it out, like I'm going to support you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't, you know, make, make a decision, you know, make, make what you think is the right thing. You know, that's great. Great, great insight there. And, and one of the definitions of leadership that we use is leadership of self. So that internal mechanism or process that a person takes to coach themselves through a challenge, a, a bit of adversity, whatever it might be, knowing that the, that delegation is something you have to be conscious of and that trust in your team what are some of the strategies you personally use to remind yourself, like, it's okay to give this, it's okay to give this up because I know they're going to do it. Like, how do you internally coach yourself to continue to get better at that uh, element of leadership? You know, so I think one, one thing is reflection, you know, so you, you know, you really try to be reflective and try to look back on things. We try to, 
know, this year has been tough, but we, we really try hard whenever we have like a situation or something major or like decision-making or something like that. We always try to do like a, um, a post-mortem, you know, so we'll like go back and okay. Like what was our decision-making during this? Like, how could we have done this differently? Like, was there things we did wrong? Was there things we should do better? Um, you know, like, uh, so like if we do an event, you know, we'll, we'll keep, we'll meet afterwards and we'll put down some notes yep. for next year just about, okay, like what went well? Was there something we should change? Was there something we didn't do well? Um, you know, and I think one of the biggest things for me, I think is um, sticking to rituals of um, like, you know, so we, we have a weekly meeting of just our admin team at the high school. And we, we really go through like, what are we working on? What are we, you know, what's our goals for this week? Like, what do we need to accomplish? Um, you know, stuff like that. And that, you know, that helps because, you know, and I, I, I tell, you know, the, my two assistant principals, my athletic director, and then my director of special services who um, those four people kind of make up our core um, administrative team at the high school. You know, I always tell them, um, to be brutally honest, um, and to like, you know, to call on stuff. And, you know, one of the, a great leadership lesson I learned from the, the former principal that was here, um, you know, was he, he talked a lot about, we can argue in the room together. And like, if you think something we're doing is stupid, you can, you know, definitely share that. But once we make a decision, we're going to, we have to all buy into it. We're going to be you know? all in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But like we, we can argue with each other and we can yell at each other. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Like sometimes people, will, you know, <laughs> the other day, like a teacher walked by the office and, uh, you know, like we were getting kind of loud with each other about something, you know, it was nothing bad, but we were just like, you know, just passionately discussing something. And I remember the teacher walking by and just saying like, I want nothing to do with what's ever going on in there. <laughs> um and it was just you know but that's but that's important like you know it's it's funny there was um i don't know if you know the uh the comedian adam carolla um but he i used to listen to his so i i worked at a warehouse for 14 years and uh for like nine of the years i worked nights loading trucks on a forklift and um i used to listen to just podcasts and anything you know books on tape like just (laughs) stuff to make the time go by yeah and i remember listening to one of his and he just said you know he's like one of the i'm not gonna say it exactly the way he said it but you know like you you want you want to be surrounded by people who are going to call you on stuff you know and basically tell you when you're wrong because keep keep you honest (laughs) yeah because the worst thing is like if you're if you're around people who just want to tell you yes or just like you know i don't know i try to break down that i mean i don't it's so weird to even say this like the aura of like principle yeah um or whatever that means but like you know there is like a weird thing of like you know it's hard to tell like what you know if people are telling you the truth or they're just telling you what you want to hear yeah um and so that's you know that's important and uh, so just kind of getting back to what you were saying is how to keep yourself honest or at least keeping myself honest is relying on those people that when they see me not delegating things or not you know not doing it you know, that way, you know, they'll call me on it. You know, they'll tell me like, stop, you know, like I got this or like, yep. you know, like it's, it's okay. <laughs> like, you know, which is important, you know, it is. And it, I think again, it's, it's when, when you're asking people to, you know, get out of their element and do things that are challenging, you know, 
and, and different and not in the routine to have that support system, whether it's a significant other or coworkers or a leadership team or a friend to give you the kick in the ass that we all need sometimes <laughs> to, yeah. to kind of get you back on track is super important. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of a desire to continually get better at the craft, whatever that craft might be. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you, um, need, you need to, you need to surround yourself with those people. Yep. hundred percent. Um, You've brought up at the start of the episode how proud you've been of your teachers over the past year and how proud you've been of the students. And I'll probably lump the families in because I think there was a a give and take for everybody involved. Um, Besides the standard kind of teacher credentials, your degree, your subject, your content matter, knowledge, what do you look for in, in, in a teacher besides that stuff? that that you feel like would would hey this one's going to be a great fit for for what we got going on here at Plainville High School so we're actually it's funny we're we're doing a lot of work on that um in terms of hiring and how we hire and you know interview process and stuff like that because one of the things we're really trying to figure out is you know like I I always joke um you know I, I I get so um you know I don't know frustrated or whatever when you when you ask interview questions that's like all you're basically proving is that someone can give you a canned response um, about something. So like my favorite one is like, you know, we always ask a question about like formative assessment impacting instruction. Yeah. Well, you know, if you, if you've gone to, you know, education school, you better be able to give a response to that. Um, so you're really not weeding anyone out. Like what we're really trying to start, you know, we just recently adopted a portrait of a graduate um, yeah. and what we're trying to do is start to get more towards people's philosophies and their, their vision and their, you know, who they are as a person. Um, you know, one of the things I constantly say, um, to my admin team is, and, you know, to anyone who will listen is, you know, I, I think we can, we can help someone pedagogically be a better teacher. Um, but if you're just not a good person, um, you know, something with your personality or like, you just, you know, I, I, I can't fix that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's not something I can probably help you with. You know, yeah. I, I can help you be a better teacher in the classroom in terms of instruction or assessment or, you know, curriculum or whatever it may be. But, you know, if you, if you don't enjoy working with kids, like I'm not going to be able to help you, no, that's, you know, no get over that. that. <laughs> no, you know, it's so not a bandaid. <laughs> no. And that's, and that's what we're trying to figure out is, you know, how to identify people who are just going to mesh really well with the culture of our building. And, you know, like, like I, I had mentioned before that, um, that principal Jim Wanker at Newington, um, who's a real mentor. Um, he always, you know, he said, he was like, just as long as you're doing what's right for kids, you're never going to make a bad decision. Yeah. Um, and so trying to find people who share that philosophy of, you know, I'm going to do what's right for kids, Yeah. you know, and that's, that's the people we want, you know, I yeah. mean, that's, you know, I love looking at too. I mean, just, I'll give you a quick something too. It's I just, and this is just a personal bias that I love seeing um, experience outside of teaching. Yes. Um, I love people who have done jobs outside of teaching or like done stuff like that. Cause I just think it gives you a different perspective on the world and, you know, like I said, like working in a warehouse for 14 years, like it gives you a different perspective on things, you know, yep, and it helps absolutely. you, helps you see things differently. So awesome. Yeah. 
And you brought up, and, and you and I have been working together. We're going to be doing some programming together, which we're really excited about in the 21-22 school year. And part of our conversations in building that out it ha has been around the portrait of a graduate. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about what that means. Um, and again, because I, I, I feel a lot of that portrait of a graduate stuff, it goes above and beyond the in-the-classroom specific content matter. Talk to that a little bit and you know, talk about some of the initiatives that you're rolling out at PHS to really live out that mission uh, uh, of achieving the, the portrait of the ideal graduate at Plainville High School. Yeah, so we're, you know, so, you know, this this was a process that's taken up to this point about two years, um, you know, really getting feedback from the community, from teachers, students, you know, kind of every stakeholder. Um, and we whittled it down to five um, skills um, that we now, you know, these are what we consider our portrait of the graduate for Plainville Community Schools, and it's being implemented um, pre-K through 12. Um, you know, and so things like uh, communicative, collaborative, problem solvers, resilient, and mindfulness are the five. Um, and what we see are these are these are the key skills that we want students to take away when they graduate um, from PHS. You know, one of the things we when we were talking to teachers about this, especially at different levels, is that this being a through line um, for kids' entire school experience, um, you know, in the Plainville Community Schools, I think it's, you know, one of the, um, you know, it's my wife's, my wife was an elementary school teacher. She's now a high school librarian, but, um, but she, uh, you know, it was always interesting being married to an elementary school teacher because it gave me that perspective in elementary school. I think, when you're a high school teacher, you really just, you know, you really just think about high school. And when you're a middle school teacher, you just think about middle school when you're, you know, and I think sometimes we forget that this is a, this is a cohort of kids that are with us for 13 years yeah. and they're making their way through our system um, with, you know, the idea being is that they, they culminate with this graduation, but what's, what's the end goal, you know, like what's, who do we want these people to be when they walk away? you know, after 13 or 14 years with us. Um, and so that's what we're really trying to work on is thinking about that and those skills that we want kids to take away. So we're doing a lot of work rolling that out. Um, you know, we'll be doing a lot of work with it next year. And one of the real challenges of this year is we've put a pause on some of the initiatives and things we were doing um, pre-pandemic. And a lot of that has just yeah. been, you know, you got to kind of watch people's stress level and how hard they're working and, you know, piling something else on at this point, you know, just doesn't seem like the best decision at times. Um, you know, but next year, like two real big uh, things we're working on is the portrait of the graduate really ingraining that into the culture of our building. Um, and then also too, is a lot of the social emotional work yeah. um, that we've been doing and, and really rolling that out to students in a, in a major way. Um, and again, it really ingraining that, you know, into the culture of who we are. And it already is the culture of who we are, but I think being more transparent with our language um, and with what we're doing in that regard, you know, I think it's, it's stuff that happens in the background sometimes, yep. but kind of bringing that into focus. Being yep. more intentional yep. with it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing with the portrait of the graduate. It's not, it's not skills that we haven't had been working on with students. It's just being very, like you said, intentional with the language, intentional with how you're instructing students about it you know, making sure they understand why we're doing this and what we're doing. 
So. And the, the beauty of the, like that type of skill development is science class can be an environment where students learn to communicate better, be more collaborative, be, uh, develop resiliency, problem solve, be more mindful. They might not enter a career <laughs> that has anything to do with science. However, they might even, you know, to go to the extreme, they might hate science <laughs> or history yeah. or, what, or, or, or phys ed, whatever it might be. But at least after four years at Plainville High School and 13, 14 years in the district, you know it wasn't wasted time when they were in the classroom because they're going to use things that they learned through science in their life on a day-to-day basis. And so just using science as the example, yeah. one of the things I love most about the adventure education side of what we get to do at Empower is, you know, rolling a golf ball through a bunch of tubes is not a life skill. It's not going to make you a better yeah. athlete, student, administrator, but what you learn during the journey can apps can apply to anything. And I, I love that approach because not everybody's going to go history or English or, you know, foreign language or science. They're, 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 you know, some of them might have a, a complete dislike, but they're going to be able to still develop skills that are valuable in life moving at, you know, moving on after high school. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's like you're saying, I mean, it's just, it's huge. And I think that was even for myself as a student. And when I've talked to, you know, because I'll, I'll talk to kids in my office who are, you know, struggling with classes or, you know, struggling with things. And one of the things I'll talk about is, you know, always, always approach it from what you can take away. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you might, you know, listen, I, I did not enjoy math when I was in school. Like math was not my thing. Um, I did okay with it. Like I could force myself to, you know, memorize stuff, but I never understood it. Um but I always tried to think like, okay, what am I taking away from this? And like, I actually, um, I, I popped into a math class and they were doing proofs in geometry. And I remember just saying like, that was, that, that was when I, the first time I really understood like logical thinking. Yeah. And I remember like doing that in, I think it was ninth grade. Um, and just finally really getting an understanding of the, you know, the idea of logical thinking and, but then that carried over into history because, you know, it helped me become a better writer because, you know, it's not, it's not the exact same thing, but you're, you're transferring a skill there, yep. you know? And so that's, yeah. I mean, and that's part of the reason why we tried to pick those five skills is because we feel like they, they apply to every single subject. They apply to every single class and, you know, they can be incorporated no matter what discipline you're in, you can incorporate that work into your class, you know? Agree a hundred percent. And it's, it's, it's true because those skills will, if you're proficient in the, within those skills, they'll help you be the best student you can be in whatever class it is that you're sitting in. It'll help you be the best athlete. You can be the best performer, artist, whatever it might be, best employee. Um, if you develop a, a level of proficiency in all those skills, um, love it. Great point. And I'm really excited to get things rolling. Uh, in, in, you know, over the summer and then, you know, for next school year with you guys, I hope, and I hope it's a great supplement to all the great things that you're doing in the classrooms. Yeah, we're, no, we're, we're super excited too, Dan. And it's just, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about, you know, it really came out like, you know, a, a conversation about how to revamp um, what we do for ninth graders coming into um, the PHS and that transition from middle school to high school and really trying to figure out what that first day of school will look like, but also, you know, building that sense of community as a class yep. and who they are. Um, you know, one of the, one of the big things we, you know, I, I, I try to approach it here and I, I say this a lot to students and to our staff and 
our families is just really viewing this place as a family. Um, you know, and I, I tell this to students a lot is that it's just like growing up in a house when you're with your siblings, like there's going to be times you don't get along and there's going to be yeah. times you fight with each other, but we got to live under this roof together, you know? Yeah. And so we got to figure it out, you know, and there has to be some level of respect to each other that we have. And, you know, and that's, that's a big part of, you know, kind of who I think we are as a culture and community at this building. And it, it started long, long before I got here. And, you know, I, I'm incredibly fortunate. You know, I, I've said this a hundred times since I became principal, like I'm just incredibly humbled and fortunate to be principal in this community um, because there is such an incredibly strong sense of community in this town um, and a real, you know, kind of sense of looking out for each other and, you know, you know, being supportive of each other. And that's, that's a really powerful thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're uh, ladies and gents, we're on the lead with empower podcast with the principal of Plainville high school, Carl Johnson. He's crushing it right now. We're on the home stretch right here. I got a few rapid, rapid fire, rapid response questions to wrap up the episode. You ready? Deep breath. Try my Deep. best. <laughs> <laughs> Childhood role model or inspiration and, and uh, who was it and why? Oh, my dad, dad, you know, he just, uh, he was just, I don't know, you know, I, I'll just, you know, just quick. I, I, I know these are supposed to be rapid fire. So I won't, everybody, I won't everybody breaks the rule here. You're good. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, you know, like I, I mentioned before, like him taking me to that, you know, that fort up in Maine, you know, he was not into history. Like he was not, you know, and I can remember car rides where I would just talk to him for two hours or three hours about history and he would just sit there and listen. Um, and he also, you know, to me, like I, I look back and I, you know, I, I think he probably had a reading disability. Um, you know, it's like when you become a teacher and you start to get a little insight into that, like, yeah. I think he, he probably had some kind of reading disability. Um, he was very blue collar. He was a lineman for SNET. He was a splicer. So he, you know, climbed poles and went down manholes. But I'll tell you, like, one of the most important things to me was he he had a rule that if I ever wanted to buy a book, I could buy a book, um, you know, like, no matter where we were, if I wanted to buy a book, like, that was fine. Yeah. Um, and just the value of, you know, reading and the value of knowledge and stuff like that. And just, you know, just even though I don't think he was super well educated, you know, he didn't go to college, he didn't experience that, but he always put an incredible value in education. Um, and I, especially after my mom passed away, I was, you know, I was in seventh grade and my sister had moved off to college. So it was really just me and him. And in many ways we became like roommates. Yeah. Um, you know, and he just, you know, he, you know, he worked his butt off, um, to support us and, you know, he worked a lot of overtime and, you know, he, you know, I don't know, I, I wish I could be the person he was because he, he was always willing to, uh, sacrifice for his family yeah. in a way that you know i don't i don't think i have that in me and i just you know i i never want like i i don't think i ever saw him buy new clothes for himself you know like he just you know he just had that attitude of he would rather give it to us or give it to someone else or you know do that so that's yeah i mean he's he's my biggest role model he's he's the person i wish i could be you know so it's awesome awesome um you have a family what's something um what's a strength of yours that you hope you you're able to pass along to 
the young ones. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, it's what, uh, uh, oh man, where, where did that come from? God, it was, I was just listening to a podcast. I'd love to give them credit. It was some, it was some comedian. I was listening to like a podcast. But anyways, he just said like, um, being generous to your kids' humor and helping them develop their sense of humor and stuff like that. So like being generous with your laughing and stuff like that, because, and it, it just, it hit me so hard when I heard that because it's like, you know, like I, I want, I want them to laugh. I want them to, you know, have a good sense of humor, you know? And so even when it's like, you know, I don't know, like seven-year-olds and five-year-olds tell some weird jokes. Like, you, know, like, you don't give them the stone face, like, eh, no, no, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, or like, or when, when you can tell they think something is funny, like, you know, just being generous with, you know, your laughter, just because it's like, you know, you're helping them figure out who they are as people too, you know, and it's just, I don't know, I, I, I hope that's what they look back on is that, you know, we had a lot of fun together and we laughed a lot and, you know, we were silly and, you know, did stuff like that. You know? I don't know. And I think doing that now, and you, you brought this line up and I jotted it down on my notebook here, it'll help them look for those positive disruptions. Yeah. Doing that now, which is such a, it's, it's so easy to get bogged down in the, the negative of a situation. And it's just a little flip of the, you know, it's not just, it's not insignificant, but it's that ability to flip it and say, yeah, yeah. But there's a positive that came from it. It is. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's always been a, you know, in my life, it's a way I've tried to look at things, you know, and I, I'm not, and I don't want, like you said, I don't want to make that sound oversimplistic because it's not, know. but I, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. Um, besides work and family, what's a hobby outside of those things that you enjoy and why? Uh, well, you know, I like golf. I'm horrible at it, but I like golf. Um, I also like to think I'm a carpenter, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just successfully, I haven't seriously hurt myself. So, um, yeah, hold your hands up all 10. Yeah, I got, I got all right. We're good. I almost, yeah, <laughs> You're a hell of a carpenter I, then in my book. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I, I thought I absolutely shattered my thumb, um, <laughs> like, uh, got a year ago. I, uh, I was working on a drill press and, you know did something very stupid and thought my thought my thumb was basically good, you know, was it going to be in a bunch of pieces? <laughs> so, but no, I, that's, that's relaxing to me. I enjoy that. Um, you know, my, all my grandfathers were carpenters. So, you know, I like to think there's some kind of genetic, you know, <laughs> predisposition to that. So, I don't know. That's great. I'm, I'm the example of that. There's not because I had two grandfathers, <laughs> both carpenters and I, you know, putting a nail into a wall is uh the most complex team building leadership challenge I could be encountered with. Uh, I love doing that stuff. <laughs> um, if you had to pick a song that represents you as a principal, as a leader, what would that song be and why? <laughs> oh, man. It's Free Four by uh, Pink Floyd. Okay. You ever heard that song? I have uh, probably I'm not a big huge a Pink Floyd no by name fan, but yes I, I do enjoy Pink Floyd. Just couldn't yeah. make a song out of a hat. Uh, so yeah, so I had to look. I just want to make sure I don't mess up the lyrics because I'm horrible with the lyrics. My wife would be dying right now because I cannot, for the life of me, like sing lyrics to songs. But um, anyways, uh, Pink Floyd Free Four, 
um, which was a song I just randomly heard. I wish I could remember exactly how I heard it, but uh, it, it's uh, one of the lines that always sticks with me. The memories of a man is, in his old age are the deeds of a man in his prime. Ooh, I um, like and I think, you know, that's, I don't know. I just always try to, you know, I, I think, you know, we kind of talk about, but losing, losing my mom at a young age and then losing my father um, in 2015, it just, you know, it, it, it puts a perspective on life and like, you know, like we've kind of said the positive disruption or however you want to view it. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but also, you know, it just, it, it makes you reexamine life and it makes you, you know, think about the time you have and what you do and try to value it and make the most of it, you know, and that's, I don't know, I guess that, you know, I don't know, you know, oh, I, I love have, it. I have a, you know, a fleeting amount of time as principal of a high school, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I'd love to retire here. I hope I can. I hope I can stay in this role for the rest of my career. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's going to be a blink of an eye, you know, in yeah. terms of Plainville High School, you know, yeah, I mean, the grand scheme gonna, of things. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, it's so I mean, I think that's, you know, you, you try to think about that. So. And that's you. And that touches on so much about like the the, the idea of le- legacy and leadership and like what a person can bring to a community and leave behind a community when they've moved on, whether it's in, you know, in passing or another another career change or a position change or whatever it might be. Huge, huge point right there. Final question. It's you hear so many adults talk about the youths are different. The youths are there and, and they have, you know, they're not good at this. They're, you know, we're, our future is at, is at risk because of X, Y, and Z. And a lot of people, you know, quick to point out the negative, what inspires you about the students that you interact with on a daily basis at Plainville high school? I mean, I, so I'll just, I'll just say this, this, you know, this really brought to light, right. And I kind of hit upon this earlier, but just the kindness of students this year and the respect they've shown to keep each other safe has been incredible. Right. And it gives me an incredible amount of hope for the future. Cause I don't, you know, I, I think we have a generation of young people who are going to thoroughly impress us with who they are as people. Um, and I just, you know, I don't know the whole cliche of like kids are changing or something like that. I think sometimes is, you know, just being a history person, like that's every generation's view of, the next generation yeah <laughs> um you know but it's just they've they have uh and, and it and it stretches before the pandemic but i'm just saying like it that has just brought it into focus so much and brought it made it so clear about who they are as people and just being willing to you know to adapt and go along with things you know because they understand it's it's making it safe for people and it's making it possible to be at school yeah, you know, and that's, I mean, what what more could you ask for, you know, from a group of kids? I mean, that's, no, it's you know. great, and it, it's if they're doing it now, it's a it's a, a great chance and a, a shining light that when they are adults and when they're in positions of leadership and positions of being able to make decisions that impact others, they're, they're going to do right by the others, and that's you know, at the end of the day, that's what leadership is all about: doing right by the people around you. Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. And I, you know, like I was saying, that article I'd read, they they talk about how, you know, they're just saying how part of the reason why they, you know, at least this historian's view was one of the reasons why so much of legislation was passed in the 1960s and, you know, 1950s. And, you know, there was a, there was a greater sense of, um, 
bipartisanship and stuff like that in Congress yeah. was uh, his, his view was that the lessons of the Great Depression and World War II, you know, had dramatically impacted that generation. And so when they got into leadership roles, they knew that the only way through things was collectively working together. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I, I would never compare apples to apples or anything like that. But, you know, I just think we're going to have a generation of kids who have lived through something realizing that, you know, collectively working together, you know, is a way through really challenging problems, you yep. know, and that's, that's, that hopefully will be a really powerful thing. Absolutely. Carl, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on during your yeah. April vacation and for bringing such a great, great mix of, uh, you know, storytelling and, and insight and really appreciate you for that. And, uh, you know, sent, sending my best to you and the whole Plainville high school community to finish the, the school year strong and, finish it while taking care of each other and you know can't wait to to play a very small part in in the next school year and really excited for that but uh thank you carl really appreciate it no thank you so much dan i really appreciate being on and it was a it was a great experience so thank Uh, you awesome to hear you're very welcome and ladies and gents that's carl johnson he leads with empower the principal of plainville high school and if again a lot a lot of stuff to take away from this episode but you know, again, I, I'll go back to the beginning of the episode. It's not easy, but trying to find that mental focus and energy to find the positive, find the positive disruption, um, you know, surround yourself with people that will help you do that as well and um, and stick together. You'll get through anything that's, uh, that's thrown your way. Appreciate you for t- tuning in. Have a great uh, rest of the week. Be kind, be courageous, and get after it. We'll see you next time. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.